Well, hello boys and girls, sports fans and assorted waifs and strays. Guess who is? Den here from Diginomica. And today I'm joined by the ever-fragrant John Reed, who's over from Boston, Massachusetts, not Boston, Lincolnshire. And today we're talking to John Appleby, newly minted CEO of Avantra. Well, this is a surprise. Let's go. Okay, John, what is going on with this newly launched company, Avantra, formerly known as Syslink or something like that? Come on. What's uh, I mean... I mean, I think I think the best way to look at this is if we come back to a meeting that, that you were both in in Palo Alto, and I, I forget exactly the year, um, but it was it was probably 2015, probably five years ago, uh, and um, Hasso was angry, um, and and he was he was angry because um, of the amount of effort that it takes to deploy SAP environments. And they, were, they were thinking about this enterprise cloud, and I remember he he said to me, "I can't believe that we still pay." thousand euros a day for an sap basis consultant and, and i joke back to him that i'm afraid that inflation has taken it up a, a little bit above that now the, the problem of, of the enormous amount of manual work involved in sap operations has been in my mind for a long time i mean i, I did that work I, I i delivered work as a as a basis consultant many 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 moons ago um but, but it wasn't until um Last year, when I started to work with Cisland Xandria, um, that, that I understood that we could actually now now address some of these problems. Um, and, and when you look at the market, right, there are hundreds of thousands of people out there that every day get up and do completely manual tasks. You know, they're producing audit reports. They're doing these things called daily checks, which are these Word documents that people produce every year, they, every, every, year every day. They log into systems and they, and they type in information for systems into a Word document, which gets distributed. Um, they do these things called early watch reports, which are SAP-generated reports that give you a task list of things that you, you should have already done a month ago. And those early watch reports, by the way, typically just sit on somebody's desk. Um, all of this just sort of tremendous economy is built around manual operations in SAP. That doesn't exist in Google, um, Microsoft or Amazon or, or, or any of the SaaS vendors. Um, and so it's just absolutely bizarre that it still exists. Um, and I just thought that was an, an opportunity to, um, to solve that problem, t- taking uh, you know, the, the core of Syslink Xandria, which already solved some of those problems, and building it out into an end-to-end solution. That's how Eventual was born. Okay, so, you know, we're now living in a, a transitional world between R3-stroke ECC over to S4. And I've spoken to four or five customers in the last 10 days, all of whom will eventually go to S4. It's not going to happen right away, as I think we probably have to acknowledge. But at the same time, what they're, they're really concerned about is the cost of, of moving over, Right. Um, now, in one particular case, the customer estimates that, w- that it will cost 50% of his original implementation cost to do that transfer, right? which is running millions of dollars. Um, and so he's, he's got the problem of trying to build the business case ar- around making that transition at that sort of level of expenditure. Are you saying that what Avantra can do is help to um, mitigate some of those costs? Because if that's the case, then people need to know about it, isn't it? Yeah. So, so, so what it does today, 
um, is is um, is all focused on on our, on our 22 release, uh, and that's 2020 February release that we've just released, is all focused around run operations. So uh, we automate a, a very large chunk of those things that people need to do on a day-to-day basis. That frees those people back up into the business uh, to do some of the activities that you've just discussed. Right. Um, in, in our roadmap, we're also precisely going after what you've just described, um, because my, my belief is this can, you know, a, a very large portion of this can be automated. Not all of it can be automated because there is, you know, there is there is release management, and product project management, and and uh, business consulting that that has to be done. Um, but I, I believe that a very large chunk of the technical portion can be, can be automated. John, am I wrong to kind of start slotting this into what I've thought about when it comes to DevOps? This sounds a lot like DevOps in an SAP landscape to me. Um, I, I, I think so. I mean, there, there are a lot of ops words, right? You know, you've got IT ops, SecOps, DevOps. Um, my, my view is that, that because... Um, of the automation elements that we do um, and we are building, um, we're, we're much more in the AI ops category than the DevOps category. I, I tend to think of of, of, of DevOps as being um, l- less about automating from event to resolution and more about things like automating deployment and things like that. Right. I mean, the thing that I'm struck by listening to you is is, you know, between the three of us, we've been to what, like 50 tech eds between us. Maybe that's conservative. Uh, and, and I just saw very few of these conversations taking place over the years. And I don't really understand why. I don't understand the why either, because when, when, when you look at what we're doing, it, it just sort of seems to make perfect sense. Um, and I, I just think that it's because people are used to the status quo of, of, of this manual effort. Wow. Wow. But then on the other hand, John, I mean, if I sort of move this slightly sideways, there's plenty of evidence that IT departments that are running, that are responsible for running SAP um, landscapes are conscious of the fact that they need to do something about their cost profiles. And, you know, the classic one here is maintenance, isn't it, right? Maintenance costs 22%. I can go to a 3PM, get that chopped in half, three quarters, whatever the hell it is. I've got an instant return on my investment, uh, assuming, of course, that they can do the job. Um, and I'm probably going to get better support uh, along the way. That in itself helps to, uh, to free up resources. So in this context, I guess what I'm seeing is that there's no – there's no significant reduction in spend, but there certainly wants to be a redeployment of spend. And I guess that that's part and parcel of what you're trying to, to solve, isn't it? Um, so uh, so lots of things bundled up in that. So, so you know, I, I think when we're talking about third-party support, you know, I think that's something that's, that's interesting to a, to a category of customer that plans to sunset a system, right, and just wants to sweat that asset for as long as possible. You know, if you're in the newspaper and magazines business and you, and you want to sweat that asset so you can build digital, you know, perhaps you'd go to third-party support to reduce the cost of the asset whilst you redeploy that money on digitization. So, so, so that's sort of the one side. Um, the, the other side of it is, um, you know, f- f- from our perspective, um, 
you, you know, the, the biggest problem that SAP is going to have over the next 10 years is the availability of people to do these migrations and these upgrades. So oh, yeah. it, it, it's a bit more than just redeploying them. It, it's freeing up human capital into the market um, so, so that they can do much more important work than creating a daily report. John, I think one thing that's on my mind here is is so many SAP customers got themselves into what you might call landscape trouble over the years with just overly complicated deployments. I mean, you would hear these stories of hundreds of instances. And, you know, I, I'm wondering a little bit from what, like a skeptical vantage point, like, yeah, automation sounds great, but wouldn't it also be part of your job to sit down with customers and look, when you upgrade, you can get a do-over on that. But what if you don't want to upgrade? Like, maybe you would say like, hey, why are you trying to automate that? What if you just rethink your landscape instead? I mean, isn't there an advisory piece here that is really important? Yeah, yeah, there, there absolutely is. And, and and that's, you know, that that's not the problem that we're specifically trying to resolve, but, but there is. And you've just got to decide. So, so what tends to happen with SAP landscapes is, is they sort of automatically, unless you do anything, they, they sort of slowly sprawl. Um, and the reason for that is that you have business drivers. So, you know, I want to do some reporting. Well, I, I need some business objects. So there we go. We've got another 10 SAP systems. Oh, you know, we've, we've now got some regulatory requirements because we're now we're now shipping something that requires uh, regulatory compliance. So now we need GR, we need um, we need GRC, and we need to do um, trade management GTS. Um, so now, well, well, that's another eighteen systems, and, and then what happens periodically is you come along and clean them up. Um, and, and you do a you do a business consolidation project, and you know maybe you go down from from two hundred regional systems down to 40, 40 systems in a global landscape, and that sort of resets the clock, and then the sprawl starts again. Um, you know we're just trying to reduce the cost of running what you've got and improve the running what you've got, rather than think about that those one off activities. But those are absolutely valid things to do, particularly in the context of S four. Okay. So what kind of return on investment, if that's the correct approach, are you seeing typically among customers at this time? So, so um, in, you know, it's particularly when you get to the larger ones, what, what we're seeing is that, that it, it, um, it typically pays for itself in the first year. So it's, okay. That's typically what we look at. Okay. Um, maybe nine months, but... Um, and for, for IC operations, that's that's pretty good. And by the way, I just think that's cost of entry for this market. Um, you know, unless you're reducing cost to serve, um, it doesn't really matter what the functionality is. You know, our customers expect, you know, dollar. One customer described to me as green dollar cost reduction. What does that mean? Uh, m- meaning that they're actually reducing the cost to serve. Okay. Cost of doing business. Well, that's some pretty happy talk around ROI and automation, John. Um, but as a CEO, you're also going to get grilled a lot more too. So let's start there. What's the hardest part about working with your company? What's the hardest part about a project like this? Um, I think the thing I found most challenging in the role so far um, is is how do we prioritize um, uh, engineering resources to do things which are most meaningful to our customers? Um you know, as with every product, you know, you have to do some renewal in each release and then you have to, you have to 
create functionality which helps our customers more. You know, we're, we're a subscription product, so customers expect new functionality for what they've got. And then we also have to drive the market forward and do new things. And, and, and finding out what would really be meaningful for customers, um, I think, is the most challenging thing because that data is just hard to come by. So when you talk about a subscription business, are you talking about X number of releases a year or what are you talking about? Yeah, so 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 um, our release schedule is typically um, two large releases, two major releases, and two minor releases. Um, sometimes we skip the second minor release, but uh, our February release is is a is a big one. Um, uh, May will be more about uh, sort of additional functionality and some 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 things that we didn't get into the February release, and then August will be another big one uh, in September, I think. Okay, and presumably continual bug bug fix as as per usual. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Okay. We, we release you know point point releases within those four uh, security release releases and bug fixes. Sure. But we we try and get away from you know we have sprints. Um, you know we have we have monthly sprints that go on, and we we, we we're trying to avoid getting away from a monthly release schedule. I, you know our customers just. We haven't found an interest in that. They would much rather get more functionality and periodic upgrades. Okay. Are there specific verticals that are attractive at this point in time based on what you've seen so far? Yeah, I, I, I mean, we, we do see that. So, um, you know, especially in uh, discrete manufacturing, automotive, um, retail, these are sort of SAP's heartland. Um, uh, but I would say it's it's more about the complexity of the environment because the amount of connections that happen between an SAP system um, grow, uh, it's combinatorial logic, they grow very quickly as the number of systems increase, right? You've got one system, you have one connection, two systems have two, um, and, and three systems already, already has um, six. one, two, three, six. Yeah. Yep. So that grows very, very quickly. Um, by the time you get to about a hundred systems, it starts to get quite painful. By the by, the time you get to two hundred, it's really painful. Well, if you've got if you've got hundred systems, John, if my math is correct, you've actually got nine thousand nine hundred. I think it's is it nine thousand nine hundred? Yeah, nine thousand nine hundred connections. It's n minus one times n, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that from the, from way back when. <laughs> from high school. Yeah. And of course, not all of those are connected in practice. Um, so it's not quite as bad as that, but it's pretty bad. Right. So your job now, oh, sorry, John, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say your job now is to see around a few corners as well. So let's talk about this dreaded phrase, AI ops. Is that bullshit or is there something there? I think as per, per every phrase in IT, there's a bit of both, right? Um, so, so, um, you know, my, my, um, my, uh, computer science professor is a guy called Andy Hopper. Uh, Hey Andy, if you're listening and, and he, he once said to me, he said, AI is bullshit. Um, yeah, Michelle said the same thing as well to me recently. <laughs> yeah. 
so, so um, and he probably still believes it today. That was that was a uh, twenty something years ago, but I, in a sense, it didn't change. But 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 there are some things that matter. So so the first thing is um, we are storing more information. Um, so, so that we have a data set um, that we can we can take a look at, and then what we're doing is we're we are building out algorithms, and we we have some already um, that, that allow you to understand based upon the events that happened in the past, um, what is the correlation for future predictor, mm. um, and then the and then the third thing is what do we now do, and so what we then build out is, is suggestion frameworks, typically an SAP, you know, this concept of having something fully automated, but gives people horror. So you can't say, well, I identified this problem. I know the resolution to it. So I'll do it. You have to say, I identified a problem. I know the resolution. Now I make a recommendation to somebody who makes a decision. Right. So, so, so there's certainly, there's certainly plenty of truth to, to AI ops, um, in terms of helping uh, humans make better decisions, um, and in terms of um, and, and in terms of automating the solutions to those, uh, and I give you just the sort of simplest, simplest example, which is SAP. Uh, at the core of every SAP system is a thing called a kernel. It's this, this little executable that runs on on every SAP system, and that is upgraded regularly by SAP. It could be every few weeks or. Or, or even more frequently, um, quite often the fix that comes with that is a is a very high priority security fix. Um, most customers, not all, but most, only upgrade this once a year on a schedule. Um, and um, my point of view is that um, in in 2020 we need to do a little bit better than that. So we should be able to recognise what are the thousand systems that you're running and which of those are out of compliance. Now we go out to the people that own those systems and we ask for permission to do workflows uh, typically through our friends at ServiceNow. Um, And now we can come back to those systems during a maintenance window. We take them down cleanly, we upgrade them, or we even do a rolling upgrade so it can stay up if needed. And we bring them back up again. We test, we return them back and say, hey, we did some initial testing, it all looks good. Or we did some initial testing and it doesn't look good, so we rolled it back. Um, Now please continue uh, to check yourself before signing it off. John, we made it through the whole podcast without asking you how you really feel about solution managers. So that's a win. <laughs> <laughs> Look, here's the way I, I, I put it. I, I think SAP is, is a great business applications company. Um, you, you know, if, if you're, if you're looking to run business applications and you choose SAP, it, it, it's really a bad choice. Um, but, um, but you know, SAP is not an infrastructure as a service provider. And you saw in their annual meeting, they talked about about this. And, and, and they're, they're letting this off to Amazon, Microsoft, and Google that are great infrastructure as a service companies. They are great, great cloud infrastructure companies. And, um, and I think that we're, we're a great uh, AI ops company to help with operations. And that's, you just have to be good at what you're good at. Okay. Okay. So what is your what is your wish going forward as it relates to um the SAP community of customers then as it stands at the moment? Because it sounds to me I mean, what, let me I'll rephrase that. 
as I've as I've spoken with customers who are on the journey, whichever journey we're talking about, whether it's standstill, bake it down, keep stable, or more frequently, perhaps move to S four at an indeterminate time in the future. Many of them are, are saying that they can't find the tooling necessary to help them get there. Right. Um, what you're do- talking about, I presume, represents a part of that overall tooling solution. So what needs to happen, as far as you're concerned, from an SAP ecosystem and perspective in, in order to help customers um, make better and more informed choices? Um, you, you know, the, the thing is, I mean, first, my, my wish from SAP and something I need to talk to them about is I, I hope that they they uh, continue to build our APIs for, for people like us to to do our work. Um, we, we, we got the beginning of some of this with the cloud platform. They've got some good APIs now. Um, mm. But I, I would love to see um, uh, an API um, mentality come out of Valdorf that, that things can be can be automated because we're, we're reliant upon, upon some of that. Um, and secondly, you know, I'd say to customers, it's okay if you wanted to delay S4, but but you should have a plan. Yeah. Um, I think I've seen a couple that have just sort of kicked the can down the road because they saw uh, an announcement that there would be longer support. Um, I'm not sure that that's the right approach. I'd instead say, you know, this is this is a business asset that you spent ten, fifty, a hundred million dollars or more. Um. You should have a plan to modernize that, even if you have other business priorities going on right now, even if you've got you know, distribution issues or manufacturing execution issues or whatever it is that you want, you need to focus on for your customers. Mm. This is still a really important asset, and leaving it until the last minute is, I think, will be a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And from SAP's perspective itself, um I'll answer the question for for you in this context, John. I wish to goodness that they would be a little bit more helpful to partners when partners are producing solutions that we know damn well from what we've seen in the marketplace really do help them as opposed to the not invented here syndrome that's plagued the company for many, many years. That's what I'm saying, right? Are you sensing sensing a change of direction there? Are you sensing a change in, in approach and in atmosphere towards partners? Um, I haven't seen it yet, but but um, it, it's really early days. I mean, that okay. you know, as I said, they they just got two new CEOs, and th- there is a new chief partner officer. So I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I'm hoping for for improved um, relations there, but um, I think it's too early to make to make a judgment there. Who is the new um, head of partners? I, I I won't pretend to know. I don't know. I forget the name, I must confess. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, very much a work in progress, I would say. If we can't get yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, the, exactly. When you have a new you know, new CEOs, it, it takes time for this stuff to happen. Sure, sure, sure. So, but you feel good about what's going on, though, yeah? Uh, what's going on with what, sorry? With what you're doing and how it's how it looks like it's going to play out for the next year or two, I'm really excited because we 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 created the the, the vision of of Avantra based upon the feedback of of customers. So um, I, I went out there to, to customers to listen and also to bring a vision. Um, 
Uh, and what I found more often than not was they, they kind of hadn't, they hadn't thought about the art of the possible and what a vision could look like. And they were quite excited when they, they started to understand it. So um, I'm, I'm, um, I'm very positive about what we can do in the market. I think we can, we can improve um, the quality of how SAP systems run. Uh, we can improve the business experience that that provides. We can provide much better security and auditability of systems. You can have a, an audit report anytime you like. Um, it used to be 10 years ago, you had one audit a year. Now you get one a month. Um, and, um, and we, you know, I, I just think that that's something which is relevant to customers. Um, and it's also not something that SAP itself is, is, is so focused on and that's okay. That's, that's some white space for us. So John, I assume we'll be seeing you at Sapphire, which is a little more business user oriented. How would you frame what you just said for, for that audience? You know, uh, for that audience, I, I would simply say if you, if you have a pain point that, Improving the reliability, auditability, and cost of your SAP system is important to you. Um, then uh, our solution is potentially interesting. Um, uh, if not, I would I would I'd like to know why. But yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the role of the SIs in all of this? I, I'm I'm seeing great engagement from the SIs. Um, and there are a couple of reasons for that. So first of all, they, they know that every board has got, has got um, mandates around automation. So mm-hmm. them, them bringing solutions that, that improve automation is good. Second, uh, helps them to improve margin because um, in most cases, the SIs are service providers and they run our software for all of their customers. Okay. Um, and largely, and lastly, they they desperately want to redeploy these people into S four because they've not got enough trained people in the market. Mm. So, anything that you can do to help them get along that along that road is going to be valuable to them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was I was originally fearful that they might be thinking this was cannibalizing their market, um, but but all of the SIs I talk to totally don't see it that way. Okay. John, what more is there to say on this before we wrap up? Or are we done? I think we're, I think we're more or less done. Sounds cool. Will you be checking Glassdoor frequently now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I like to think that we've got a, a great culture and a great team of people to build this out. Um, you know, we, we have a really interesting engineering center in Basel in Switzerland with, with really, really caring and focused people. So, um, I'm hoping Glassdoor will be kind to us, but, um, but yeah, you know, as I said, you know, feedback is, is the hardest thing to come by. Um, so wherever you can get it from. So, so when we get to, to Sapphire, um, are you going to be presenting us with a smorgasbord of customers that we can sense test what you said today? Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely. We've got customers at Sapphire. That's good. Um, That's what we want to hear. Chat. Yeah. John, it seems like just yesterday you were rolling into the, the Den and John's video studio, barely awake after a late night of whatever you were doing back then at Sapphire. And now you're leading the whole future of automation in SAP environments, dude. How times have changed. 
Yeah, how times have changed, and and you know, with a with a two year old, um, the the late nights are are still there, but um, <laughs> that, that, that's life, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, John. Let's let's wrap it up at the up at that, and um, look forward to to hearing what what you say in the real world, eh? Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs>